Good to see you. Uh, let's read the scripture from Galatians chapter 6, verses 1 through 10. If you have a Bible uh, that you can see, I want you to use your voice. If you can see it here uh, behind me and on the screen, I want you um, uh, to read so that we'll do this together. Um, I will start and stop and you will keep reading. So if you, if you are in the habit of reading fast, slow down, and if you read slow, speed up, we'll find each other, okay? Dear brothers and sisters, if another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. Keep reading. should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Amen. Last week, I um, suggested that the contents of our prayers, the guts of our prayers, ought to be um, God's gospel and our experience. And, and in order to pray that way, uh, we have to thread into ourselves the foundation of belief in Christ. As you heard in the announcements, and as you know, some of you who are in small groups, reading through the passages of Corinthians and Romans and Galatians, you'll notice a theme in Paul's words, a theme that underlies the, 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 the fundamental power of Christ's ministry for our redemption. Christ and not the law. Christ and not our effort. Christ and not morality or rule keeping or even right knowledge. Christ saves us and makes us right in ourselves, in our relationships with God, and in our relationships with one another. 
Paul's words throughout these letters remind me that a person can live in such a way that they and you and me forget this. Throughout the scriptures, Paul, Paul echoes this theme of the power of Christ's work. And throughout, his echoes serve as a reminder of the possibility to forget Christ's work. <clears throat> and so this morning, I want to bring to you, like last week, a kind of inquiry for our souls, such as asking, what have I forgotten about the gospel? It seems to sound consistent with Paul's words in Galatians and Romans. In Galatians 2, verses 19 through 20, he says, For when I tried to keep the law, it condemned me. So I died to the law. I stopped trying to meet all its requirements so that I might live for God. My old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Or Galatians 3, 2 says, Let me ask this one question. Did you receive the Holy Spirit by obeying the law of Moses? Of course not. You receive the Spirit because you believe the message you heard about Christ. Or Romans 5, verses 6 through 8 says, When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. Now, most people would not be willing to die for an upright person. Though some one might perhaps be willing to die for a person who was especially good. But God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. Have we remembered? What have we forgotten about this gospel of God sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners? Sitting with you today, I'm reminded that among the wonderful gifts of our liturgies, our gatherings where we order ourselves through the words and gestures of singing and dedicating babies and having babies take glasses off of our faces, the liturgies of God's people, right? Did you see baby grabbing past his ox mic and oh... The other pastor that lives in Pastor Caitlin's house who was about to start preaching when he came up here. Or the third pastor, I suppose. The beauty about these liturgies, the beauty about these gatherings where we celebrate together is their way to keep us oriented toward a moment of grace where we gather as a community and find a way to keep a memory of the gospel alive. 
Paul's words in the Bible, his themes throughout these passages, helps us, the church, to remember. So one way of asking is, what have I forgotten about the gospel when I think about God's news concerning us? When I think and when you consider the great depth of God's lavish grace, when you inquire about the strong sins that keep you from serving others and being holy towards the world, when you live in a way that is opposite of your and our being chosen by God in Christ before the world turned or rotated or tilted for the glory of the Creator, we may ask not only what have we forgotten, but what have we remembered. Memory is the means through which we are blessed. God's Word returns to us when we remember, and I want to suggest to you a, a way forward in our memory making, a way forward in our memory keeping is not only a way forward in our proclaiming the gospel, but it is a, it is a way forward in our praying. And I, and I want to leave with you a, a, a way of praying that is subtle and simple and, and almost easy. It's almost worth overlooking. It's so implied in the Word of God. To be clear, Galatians 6 is not a passage we usually talk about in terms of prayer. Uh, it, it, it is a different view of the text that I want uh, to give today. This text is about burden bearing. It is about heavy load sharing. It is, but but the turn this morning toward uh, this gospel in Galatians 6 is how we define this burden that's born on our shoulders as a prayer concern of our sisters and our brothers. How do we do this praying of our experience? How do we do this praying of God's gospel? One word. It's the topic of the sermon. It's the guts of the sermon. And it's done when I say it. And I'll, even though it's done, say some more. The word is together. Say that word. Say together. Listen again. Uh, to Galatians 6. But as you listen, I want you to listen um, because what I'm going to ask you to do, what I'm going to dare you to do by the grace of God, what I'm going to challenge you, church, to do is, is to respond to this message that Paul preaches throughout these passages by seeing yourself praying together. I'll tell you now and I'll tell you again that, that the way to enact this message is to refuse to pray on your own. Sit with that and listen to Galatians 6 one more time. Dear brothers and sisters, 
If another believer is overcome by some sin, you who are godly should gently and humbly help that person back onto the right path. And be careful not to fall into the same temptation yourself. Share each other's burdens. And, and, and in this way, obey the law of Christ. If you think you are too important to help someone, you are only fooling yourself. You are not that important. Pay careful attention to your own work, for then you will get the satisfaction of a job well done, and you won't need to compare yourself to anyone else. For if for we are each, rather, responsible for our own conduct. Those who are taught the Word of God should provide for their teachers, sharing all good things with them. Don't be misled. You cannot mock the justice of God. You will always harvest what you plant. Those who live only to satisfy their own sinful nature will harvest decay and death from that sinful nature. But those who live to please the Spirit will harvest everlasting life from the Spirit. So let's not get tired of doing what is good at just the right time. We will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up. Therefore, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. Now, every time I read the scripture, I have something else to say about it. You heard the scripture. I have points that I want to cover, but I have points when I read it that I don't want to cover. Ever happened to you where you see it again and you want to say something else that you don't have time to say? Oh, don't say it. But, 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 but what frames this morning's reading is that every time we come to the text of Scripture, that, that, that temptation that, if you hear me wrong, could feel not like a temptation but a spiritual deepening, and it's how does this apply to me, how does this apply to my life, and how is God speaking to me? And as I was reading it this time, I was thinking about what applies to me, to you, the reader, the single person reading or listening to this text, is that the good work, what you are responsible for, your own conduct, as I'm framing it, is not your own conduct, but is your own response to this prayerfulness, this, what if your conduct is your ability to host the burdens of your brothers and sisters in what if your own work is not applying the gospel to your life and feeling that your sins have been forgiven, though that is true, but that your own conduct is your ability to live this gospel by praying this gospel into your loved ones? Together. Say the word again together. See, they did fall asleep. The Lord was telling me. Somebody fell asleep. Say the word together. Oh, you woke back up. So for what purpose am I suggesting this to be a credible, spiritually powerful, and gospering, remembering way that we might pray? Why? First, praying together 
may keep us from idolatry. Have you ever heard that word idolatry and wondered what it was? It's a, it's a, hey, I can't call your name because I'll be calling names all morning. Hello, hello, hello. Thank you. Good to see you. Doc. Idolatry is a private viewing of God. A viewing that is never witnessed, contributed to, or critiqued by others. It's a private experience of God. It's a private view of God. It's a private relationship with God that's never eligible for anybody else's experience, viewing, relating to. It's, it's, it's the experience of God that you're subject to when you relate to God alone. Talking to your God may mean talking to a false God, in other words. And the tragedy is that without the community hearing your relationship with God through what you don't say in the presence of God, the tragedy of the community not hearing of your relationship with God when you do talk to God and when you do lay out your praises before God, the tragedy of the church not hearing your prayers and adding to your prayers is that you don't find out whether you are an idolater. You assume you know God and the gospel. You assume you know everything about bearing each other's burdens in your own private existence of God and that gospel. So why? Why else might we pray together? Praying together, number two, may keep you and me and us in line with biblical tradition. So the norm in the Bible is not personal prayer. It's not individual prayer. It's there, but it's not common. It's there, but it's not the usual way of praying in the Bible. More times than not, individuals in the Bible are leading others in prayer. They're speaking and listening and waiting alongside others while they're praying. So, so there are these instances where, where you get somebody's words uh, because somebody's a songwriter, like David, right? So David is going to write Psalms 51 from a pretty individual point of view because David is the songwriter writing the song. But we can't look at it as if David is praying about his own internal life. No, no musician, and I'm not a musician. Uh, I try to sing with people sometimes, but I ain't been a singer for years. I just play. But most of you musicians probably will agree that you don't write music for yourselves. Right? What fun is that? Music is for the listener. And you may be the first listener, but, but, but the, the, the power 
power and the impact of the art is in the sharing and in the listening and in other people dancing, the other people patting, the other people grabbing the melody. And so even when we see the, the psalms and the prayers in the Bible written from individual perspectives, and sometimes they're written from more than the individual perspective there, it's a, it's a corporate event. So praying together, if we do this, may keep us in line with that biblical tradition, our, our spiritual forebears. The Jews don't even know about individual prayers. They have Jewish friends who scratch their heads about, we talk about how do you talk to God, and they're sort of like, what? I mean, there's a slant in Judaism that does that, the mystical slant, but what we do is we pray together. That's what it is to pray. Number three, praying together may preserve our empathy and our compassion. In the language of our text, we're compassionate when we bear the burdens of others. We're also empathic where we move our eyes toward the experiences of others, refusing to stay selfish with our hopes and our dreams. When, when you're empathic and when you're compassionate in prayer, uh, you're, you're really calling for God's hopes and dreams for another person. So where compassion is expressed through prayer, it's, it's, um, it's if you were praying for yourself, you would be seeking God to give you something that you want, right? That's what personal prayer is. And when we do it, uh, when, when we're at our most honest, we're telling God to give us something that we want. Otherwise, like I said last week, we're just getting ready to pray. We're not really praying. But when we're honest, <clears throat> Excuse me, when we're being clear with God, we're saying, this is what I need. When we do that in this together way, we're doing that for the other person, nurturing a compassionate prayer life where we're asking God to see the dreams of the other person, to see the, the hopes of the family, the hopes of the church, and to bring them to pass. I'm almost done. I have 13 minutes. So in 12, just get up. <laughs> Number four, praying together may, may keep us looking in and out, doing two things rather than one. Now, how many of you have ever done two things at one time, right? All right. So you already know how to do this. You're already good at this. You've already got it on good information that you can do two things. And prayer, prayer about yourself isn't wrong. So I, I hope you don't hear, and I, I, I didn't set it up well enough uh, to underline how important it is for this to be a part of your life with God, for you to pray on your own. Uh, but my challenge to you is for you to forget about that because you've gotten so good at it that, that you don't even need to talk about it. You don't need to study another method of doing that, at least not for today. Because for today, I, I want you to underline this other thing. So it's not wrong to pray for yourself all the time. It's not even wrong for you to pray for others so much that you never pray for yourself. Neither one of 
of those is wrong. Neither one is bad. You should keep both. You should keep them actively engaged in your life with God. It's meaningful. Keep doing it, dot, dot, dot. What I'm inviting you to, though, is something else. I'm inviting you to something more. I'm inviting you to think about uh, the, the, the next baby dedication that comes up. I just want to play in what's the moment so, so that you have something to hold on to. Because sometimes when I talk, you know, I get my feet off the ground because I am still Pentecostal. So I got to dance. And if we don't dance, it's my way of lifting up my feet. So, so I got to put my feet on the ground here. So, so if the next baby dedication, and there's one in the 9 o'clock, oh, uh, it's 9 o'clock next service now the next service is 11 o'clock so at the next baby dedication or the next one in the next quarter what would it look like for your family to join other families in praying for that baby that's what I mean so so that even though it's your baby uh, and you need to start praying now before you if you haven't you need to pray now uh, and never cease, as Paul said in another uh, passage, in the prayer unceasingly, right? You need to. But what would it look like if daddy or mama, you never prayed for your child on your own again? I'm saying again, but what about between now and the next dedication? where you put this habit in your life where you said, I've been asking God about this same burden, looking in, and now I'm done doing that. I'm always now going to ask my small group leader to pray with me. I'm inviting you to this more, perhaps equally complicated, paradoxical community with the Holy Spirit. The spirit who is always up to more than you can ever ask or imagine. The spirit who enlivens prayers that covers you and more than you. This church and more than this church. Your concern and everybody else's on your row. Last. Why would we do this? Why would we even entertain this challenge where Michael says... Don't pray alone. This praying together, this prayerfulness together is unburdening. It's relieving. It is hospitality. It is the gospel on display. Paul uses language of relief when he writes about that applied gospel to the Galatians. He says that the unburdening of our neighbors, our relatives in Christ, brings with it real life. Notice now, that the movement of us praying for each other is in this way. Me for you, you for me, us for us, you and us, and our lives enriched by the Spirit. There is no lack of life. 
there is no diminishment of power. Paul says, again, if you take this frame, that this is the justice of God. Paul says that if we bear each other's burdens in this unburdening way of praying, we will always harvest. Paul says here that if we bear each other's burdens in this way, we will not satisfy our own sinful natures and die from that nature, but that we will live and please the Spirit. So, If the gospel is the stuff we pray, and if the gospel is our experience spoken in God's ears, and the way we pray that experience and gospel is together, what's next for you? What's next for y'all? And I said when I began last week that you'd have to set this in your life because I'm out of touch. But what's next for your small group or your ministry team? What's next to the folks you spend your time with? If you are to pray the good news of God like this, how do you do it? Do you take a week and say, that old crazy Michael is still crazy, but I'm going to try. Do you take a topic in your life and say, when I pray about that, I'll always find my sister who I know has been praying for me about it anyway. And rather than approach God in this privatistic, you're my God. And I told y'all last week a little bit about my psychology. So that whole my God business, you can keep it. I'm trying to get there, but I'm coming from the other end. What, right, did, I said that in the second service, I think. So what I said was, I don't really come to God that way. The way I'm bent is this, <gasps> I can talk to God like that. I don't know, but it's God. So I'm coming from this other end. So I'm coming from this perspective that's sort of, sort of, crazy to think that I can approach God in that way. So when I pull that thing out of my life and I'm saying, I can't even pray like that. Carlton will come, he'll pray and he'll say, Nate will come, he'll pray and say, yeah, you're foolish. Let's pray to God like that. So bow your heads. And um, we're going to try to lean into this just for a moment because we don't have more than a moment or two. Close your eyes. And if, if, if you're sitting next to somebody you can touch, 
Now, that means they already know you and you've already touched them. <laughs> uh, wait, open up your eyes. Wait a minute. Open up your eyes. Look, look, <laughs> look around. Look around. Look around. And be like, the spirit moved and I just grabbed her thigh. No, no, no. That ain't the spirit. That might be a spirit, but that is not the spirit. All right. All right. Don't, don't. I, no, I can't do that. I can't do that. So I want you to look around to see whose spouse you sit next to, you know, if it's your spouse, uh, you know, if it's your family. Uh, ask that person, can I take you by the hand just for a moment? Can you take me by my hand? Uh, do that. I don't hear you. Say it. Say it. Because we want to we wanna say that out loud and get some kind of affirmation. Because I'm just going to ask you to pray together. I'm going to ask you to pray together. All right. And if you're not sitting next to somebody who you can do that with, come up here and we'll do it. You and me. So if you're alone, uh, get unalone for a moment. Uh, you need to be next to somebody. And um, we'll, be, we'll be real easy with this one, but I want you to get into the, I want you to walk away feeling like, oh, that's what it felt like. So let's not even pray about your stuff. Let's just pray about these beautiful children that God has blessed us with. Just to ease into that. Now, they might be your children, so you can be really, really biased. Um, but let's just do that. Uh, name those babies because you know I don't I, I mess, name them one by one parents don't forget don't disown your children name them children one, one. Adam yeah that's what I was trying to say Sienna Avery Jonah Isaiah huh Isaac okay wait the babies that were up here now I'm like wait a minute I'm like, wait, a, what reality am I in? I know Bryce wasn't on this stage. Now, that was not Bryce. That was Jonah. Or just to be clear, Bryce would have been right with him, by the way. Anyway, uh, all right, you throwing me off the game. I don't have time to do this. I'm in trouble right now. We got to pray. Let's pray. Close your eyes. Now, you got permission. You're holding hands. You know the names of some of these children. You know the names of my two. So they need, it. They need your prayer. Um, but let's pray together for them. And this is the way that God will call us to pray together for other people and things. And if you never had children and you, uh, you don't know what to pray, just pray that God will keep them sane. Because they're not sane now. So we, we want God to bring them back to sanity. I'm sorry. That, you said Bryce. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm letting it out. No being funny, but pray for those babies. Pray for those children. Do it now. Spend some time praying together. They might need to be strengthened. I believe God can do that. You do too. They might need to be loved in a special way. Their parents. I believe God can do that. So pray, pray. Uh, and don't be quiet when you're praying together. Say words so that at least the person close to you can hear what you're saying. For them and for God to hear.